0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. The Book of Revelation, Session 34, overview of the three numbered judgment series. It's an overview. It's an overview of what? Judgment series. Which ones? judgment series that are in the book of Revelation. What's well, a judgment series? It's a series of judgments. Okay, pretty simple. So it's a kind of a complex title, but really any one of the words by itself. I mean, we all know what three means, right? I mean, you know, it's it's simple enough. It's just a bunch of words together. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the primary 21 judgment events in the book of Revelation, but we're just going to do an overview. Because what we're going to do is we're going to spend a bunch of weeks talking about these, breaking them down by series, and breaking them down uh, even further uh, to to look at each individual uh, event that's listed in the book of Revelation. One of the points I just want to make, and you'll probably hear me make it a number of times in the coming sessions, is there is a remarkable amount of information that is given to us about these judgments. And it seems like it's wasted page space in the Bible if we don't need to know it like it's not a little bit of information it's a tremendous amount of information a tremendous amount like lots and lots of details i mean where what when how who why give so many details if it's just kind of like i don't really need to know that you know there's a lot of things in the bible that you and i have grown up knowing that there is way less information about than these 21 judgment events i mean Way less information. And I think it's good that we know those things. They're in the Bible. But the point that I want to make is, this is a tremendous theme in the book of Revelation. It's one that we want to get. We don't want to be uh, those that just kind of dismiss it and go, ah, it's weird or it's judgment and judgment's scary. We want to know our Bibles. And the book of Revelation was given so that we could understand it. So we are going to identify these three numbered judgment series. And uh, they break down to 21 events. It's actually three groups of seven. I am terrible at math, but I can do three times seven. Three times seven, as best I remember, is still 21. There are three different judgment series. There's judgment series one, and there's seven of them. There's judgment series two, and there's seven of them. judgment series three, and there's seven of them. These are called the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls of wrath. And these three judgment series, the seven seals, seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of wrath, they're all greatly detailed in the Bible. In fact, there's, there is a, there's more about each one of these events than there are about many events that the Bible lists, the, that the Bible talks about or prophesies. Like there's a ton of information. So I think that probably we were given this much Bible about this subject matter so that I'm just imagining the Holy Spirit hoping, like with his fingers crossed, that Bible studies like this would happen at some point in the future. That people would sit around and like talk about the Bible and like kind of dig in a little bit and try to get some clarity on what the Word of God says. So I want to touch on a few kind of starting points. And tonight, remember, it's an overview. So tonight, I probably won't even tell you what they are. I mean, they're listed, but I probably won't even go through them. We'll get to them later. We're just doing an overview tonight. Okay, so just kind of get that thought process. First of all, these events are literal. They are future. They are numbered. They are judgments. And they escalate in devastation in their nature. They get worse. Things, as you count up, it gets worse. Okay? So let's look at some of this stuff. First, they are literal. When we're reading the book of Revelation, unless we're told that it's a sign or a symbol We just take it at its plain sense meaning. There's no reason to make things mean things they don't mean. When God said, or when Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, we didn't like have to like interpret that. Like we knew exactly what it meant. We understand completely. You mean God so loved the world, gave his only son. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Exactly. That's how we interpret the book of Revelation. Unless it says that it's a symbol or it's a sign or it's something that's calling for interpretation, it requires no interpretation. Just like John 3.16 requires no interpretation. We get it. We take it at its plain sense meaning. The plain sense meaning of these judgments is that they are literal judgments. They're not like mystical ideas like, you know, these, you know, the, the, the abyss opening up and all these demons coming out of the abyss. That's like spiritual language for the Internet's going to crash. No, it means the abyss is going to open up and demons are going to come out. I mean, it's terrifying. I don't like it, but it doesn't mean something else. It means exactly what it says it means. All right? So these events are literal. These events, by the way, just as a fun little side point, they mirror, and we'll spend a whole session on this, they mirror the plagues of Egypt. So when you see the, the Exodus and the, the Israelites being brought out of Egypt, these are the same plagues again, only this time globally instead of restricted to the territory of Egypt, okay? That's on purpose, all right? That's a big point. Again, we'll spend a whole session talking about that. They're called plagues. They are literal. I just gave you here one of the verses about one of these plagues, identifying these uh, judgments as plagues. And when we think of plagues, like, that's, that's a real thing. It's not fictitious. It's not a, you don't need to interpret it. It's, it's real. A plague is a bad thing. It's like stuff that happens in a way that's really bad that causes really bad stuff. All right, so uh, I gave you Revelation 16, 9. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. So God's got control over them. They are literal. They are actual. They are happening, and they are called plagues. Second point, they are future. These things have not happened yet. I want to say it again. These things have not happened yet. It's important that we understand that. and I'll kind of back it up a little bit. First, when we read the book of Revelation, we understand Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means everything that's about to happen, these next 22 chapters, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave Jesus to show Jesus' servants, that's you and me, what must soon take place. These are events, our future from the book of Revelation. Well, how do we know they're still future? really, really simple. This is like crazy math. They haven't happened yet. How do we know they haven't happened yet? I want to say, I think there have been some partial fulfillments. I think there've been some, some things that looked, smelt, felt a little bit like what we're reading, but not completely like what we're reading. Maybe a little bit, but that's the way of God. God always does types and shadows and partial fulfillments and little warnings before things happen. God, that's God's way. That's how he does things. I mean, if you've ever been disciplined by the Lord and he was like dealing with you about something, I promise you that wasn't the first time he addressed it with you. He, he, he kind of builds up before he gets to the punchline, you know. He's giving us the opportunity to see these things ahead of time. So, yes, there have been partial fulfillments. Yes, there have been times in history where little things. I mean, when we see, you know, Chernobyl and we see the devastation that happened there, there are little pieces of that that line up a little bit with some of what's written. But they don't account for 100% of the text. And the point is, if God wrote this, 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 and this, then God meant this, 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 and this. And if this, 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 and this haven't happened, it hasn't happened. It's real simple. Okay? So we just want to understand that unless what is written has actually occurred in real life, it hasn't happened yet. Now, I mean, again, we can see the shadows, we can see the types, but it it hadn't occurred yet. Now, the, the biggest clenching point on how we know these things are all still future, they all take place while the Antichrist is ruling. The Antichrist ain't ruling. I mean, say what you want about whatever leaders, the Antichrist is not here yet, okay? And when he is, we'll know it, all right? And the church will know for sure because there's some, like, crystal clear indicators That the Antichrist is, you know, the the man leading when certain things happen. We'll get into that in a later session. Here's my point. These events are still future. It's kind of a problem because these events are super intense. I would way rather be able to get comfortable in a theology that has all of these things in the past, but that's not real. They haven't happened yet. These are future events, and they take place during the time period of the leadership of the Antichrist on the earth. Next they are numbered. Do you know why you number stuff? So that you know the order. That's why you number stuff. Go first, and second, and third. These things are all first, second, thirds, even the series. First series, second series, third series. We're given these numbered events because we're supposed to understand they're in order. They're numbered. They're sequential. So there, it's a numbered judgment series, which is actually far more helpful if we're t- tr- going to try to understand this, because it's not random things that happen whenever. It's chronological, sequential events that occur one after another after another. And so we can actually know with great clarity where we're at in the storyline because of the numbers of the judgments. And when I say they're numbered, I don't mean they're like kind of numbered. I mean... All 21 are called the first this, the second this, the third this, all of them, all 21. And it starts over again, one through seven, three times, because we've got seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. You guys tracking with me? All right. So it's pretty simple, but I just want to tell you, if, if tonight you capture the fact that there are 21 judgment events in the book of Revelation that are talked about in great detail there's some other things alluded to. But if you understand that there are 7 seals and they're bad, 7 trumpets bad, 7 bowls are at bad, and you understand you got 21 of these things, you automatically understand a significant chunk of the book of Revelation. It is no longer mysterious to you. You no longer have to wonder, it's no longer weird or crazy. You now know, oh, we're in a we're in a judgment series here. We got numbers 1 through 21, really one through seven times, one, you know, three times. We got 21 of these events. If you understand that, the book of Revelation, it's like you just got a skeleton for the book of Revelation. Now you can start to put the dots together and connect stuff on there. This is very helpful. They are future. They are numbered. Why are they numbered? <coughs> They're numbered so that we can clearly discern the events in numerical order. They're numbered so that we can differentiate one event from the next event. Oh, man, I don't know. This one just blends together with the last verse. No, it doesn't. It said, and then I heard an angel, and he blew the seventh trumpet. And now you know you're not talking about the sixth trumpet anymore. You're talking about the seventh trumpet because it said so. We're given the order of events so that we can differentiate the start and stop of each event. Okay? Why else? So that we're able to prophesy what event is coming next. Oh my goodness, can you imagine having the greatest prophetic clarity that anyone's ever had and to be able to not only say things are coming, but these things are coming and here's the order. This thing happened yesterday. Let me tell you what's next. The church is supposed to know the book of Revelation like we're supposed to know the book of John so that we can be useful. The word of God is useful for teaching, correcting and training in righteousness to to raise up and equip the believer. The book of Revelation is part of the Bible. It's not like there's the Bible and then there's this other weird book. Okay? The book of Revelation is part of the Bible. All right? It's important. These these events, they're going to happen exactly like the order that they're written in the Bible. I mean, God didn't make a mistake. He told us the to order on purpose. So that we could know. Also so that we're able to count down to Christ's return at the last trumpet. There's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. Jesus returns at the last trumpet. (coughs) When we're in the sequence of events and things are starting to unfold, we'll actually be able to know where we're at in the storyline, counting down to the last trumpet. And we're at the sixth trumpet. We're going to be partying, people, because we know what's next. The seventh always comes after sixth. Okay? Next, they are judgments. Look at Revelation 14:7, top of page two. Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgments has come. The Great Tribulation period is referred to as the hour of his judgments. One of the reasons that it's aptly called the hour of his judgments is because there's 21 crazy things that happen in a very short period of time in the time frame of the Great Tribulation, a a three-and-a-half-year period of time. This is going to be nutso. All right, each series escalates in devastation. Again, we'll talk about all these details more as we look at the judgment specifically in future weeks. But I just want to give you kind of a little starter point. In the first series, the seals, and just again, I want to get you clear on on the order. Seals, trumpets, then bowls, okay? 21 events. In the seals... It talks about one fourth devastations. Devastations that impact one fourth of the earth, one fourth of the human population, one fourth of a death toll of a certain you know, group or a people. It talks about one fourth in the seals, okay? And we'll see that. We'll see that term again and again. Next, now in the trumpet series, the trumpets, it escalates, it goes up. The trumpets now deal with one third of the earth. Of the human population of the scenarios, one third. Well, if y'all, because I'm real good at math, remember? Okay, so if you got a hundred or something, all right, and you take away a fourth, you're left with seventy five, all right. But if you take away a third, you're left with sixty six point six six six, six, six six six. Okay, that's worse. That's worse because you got less. Because a minute ago you got seventy five, but now you got six seven point six six six. Okay, that's less. A third is worse than a fourth. The first series deals with a fourth. The second series deals with a third. The third series deals with everything. Holistic devastation. It goes from fourth to third to all. All is real bad. All right? Each judgment series climbs is the the point. Okay. Part of this helps us to understand these judgment series are distinct. They're different. God's not weird on math. You and I might be. But but God's God's got this. So when He says a third, He doesn't mean a fourth. He's talking about a third, okay. And then when He's talking about a fourth, He doesn't mean a third. I mean, He He knows how to do math, all right. So the the judgment series escalate. But that's kind of again like what I was talking about earlier. When the Lord disciplines us, doesn't He start with Hey, no. <laughs> and then He escalates. Hey, no. And then if he has to start yelling at us, we're all on the floor shaking, crying. Ah, no! You know, we're like, okay, okay. He starts off, he starts off, and then he escalates because he's trying to get attention. It's actually the Lord's desire that we would respond early, okay? It's the same with the judgments. These judgments are not like God just lost his temper, and like, I'm just so mad, I'm going to start throwing hail down there, Okay? God's actually calculated trying to get the attention of the human race. The fact that we have all this written down ahead of time, people should be listening when it's going down and the stuff's happening and and the word of God is loud and clear and the saints are declaring, this is what he said was going to happen. I'll tell you what's next. And then it happens next. And the world is supposed to be taking notice. Now, how did you know that? Because the Bible says it. Jesus, loved me this, I know for the Bible says so. I mean, it's like, like, we're just saying the word. God desires that none would perish. And he uses the people of God in order to aim towards that task. Now, it just so happens, God is not going to get his way. Just like he didn't yesterday. Men perished yesterday without Jesus. And they will all the way until the end. But he desires that none would. So he makes great effort to try to get the attention of human beings that they would actually wind up with him in eternity and not in the lake of fire. All right, the 21 judgment events. Remember how I told you I wasn't even going to give you a diddly squat? Well, uh, section 2, Roman numeral 2, bottom of page 2, top of page 3. I just want to read the lines here. And then I'll let you look at part A, the seven seals, part B, the seven trumpets, part C. The seven bulls of wrath. I'll let you look at that in your own time. I just want to give you Revelation 6.1, top of page 3. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. So there's seven of them, and he opened the first first, because first comes first. I mean, it's simple math, but I, I, like, I want us catching first of seven, second of seven, third of seven. It's an order. It's sequential. I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. There's the seven trumpets. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So there we got the seven bowls. I just wanted to give them to you. One, two, three. And then you can look at these in time. And, you know, when you're talking about a very detailed judgment event, it's just mean that you guys all made me come up with a phrase for each one of them. It's just mean. That was so mean of you to make me do that. Of course, no one made me do anything. But I did my best to come up with one phrase that does an inadequate job, but it gives you at least an idea of what's going on in that judgment. Okay, I came up with a phrase, just a one liner, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, times three, okay, for each one of these, and it's far more dynamic than that. There's so much more going on. And that's the reason we're gonna spend weeks talking about this. All right, but I'm gonna skip now to page four. The meaning of the symbols. Okay, now, why didn't God just say, bad judgment series numero uno? Bad judgment series numero duo. Okay, why didn't, he, why didn't he do that? Why did he label them? Why did he call them seals, trumpets, and bowls? There's meaning in those terms. It's not arbitrary. There's meaning. <clears throat> the first, the significance of a seal. So we're going to talk a little bit about significance The significance of a seal, and then a trumpet, and then a bowl. In the Word, okay? Let me just tell you a a little freebie here. The best way to interpret the Bible is forget the Internet. The best way to interpret the Bible is read the Bible. The Bible interprets the Bible, okay? If the Bible interprets the Bible, and the Internet says something different about what that symbol means, but the Bible already tells us what that means, please forget What the internet says. And let's pretend that the Bible is actually alive and active and a double-edged sword, okay? Let's pay attention to what the Word of God says. The Bible interprets itself. Well, this is no different. The seals, trumpets, and bowls are listed in the Word, and we're supposed to have a background from the Word about what these things are and a little bit of insight into what they mean. First, the significance of a seal. The purpose of a seal is to lock up written content for a time. For a time. Seals are made to be broken. They are not intended to be sealed up forever. They are intended to be broken. And until they're broken, the content of which is written on that document isn't accessible. So seals are given to seal up information for a time, but they're intended to be opened up. Also, they have great importance. One of the things in the ancient world, it was kind of a normal practice in many kingdoms, if a courier was sent with a message from a king and that message was sealed and that message got to the recipient, the one that was actually supposed to be delivered to and the seal had been broken, you would kill that man. The deliverer would be murdered because he broke the seal. Who knows if he changed the message? The point of the seal was, let's protect this content for a minute. It was important. Seals are important. The fact that these Seals are the opening judgments, and that it's Jesus who's opening the seals. It's the lamb opening the seals. It's supposed to be a dramatic understanding from from humanity. We're in the hour where the lamb is getting to business, and he's opening seals that have been sealed for forever, and now is the time. The seal's being opened. It's supposed to be uh, drawing our, our attention. The significance of a trumpet. Trumpets were common picture in the word. Typically for two different reasons. And there's others besides, but these are the two primary. First, to warn, and the second, to rally. To warn and to rally. And these trumpet judgments are intended to warn and to rally. Okay? That's what's going on here. They're called trumpet judgments. I mean... Couldn't God have made them tambourine judgments? I mean, couldn't he have done whatever he wanted, flute judgments? I mean, he picked the right instrument because of what that instrument means. First, a trumpet's a whole lot louder than a tambourine. Well, unless, I mean, I've met some tambourine players that really know. They can get after it. But for the most part, trumpets are much louder, and they, they're making a statement that is a very distinct statement to warn and to rally. So a trumpet would be sounded by like a watchman over a city. And he's warning, we're about to get attacked by the enemy. I can see them on the horizon. And he warns the city and anybody who hears that trumpet and keeps playing the game of chess they were playing is dumb. They need to listen go, ah, trumpet. And now they need to respond because they know what that trumpet means. Trumpets give a clear sound and the interpretation of what's supposed to happen when that trumpet is sounded is clear. There's information given ahead of time. So it's not like a city just has random trumpet blasts every now and then for weird reasons. What's that one for? Oh, it's Tuesday? I I don't know why they do it. (laughs) Trumpet blasts give a specific message when they're being sounded. And nobody's allowed to sound those trumpets unless it's time, unless there's a specific reason. These trumpets, the fact that we've got seven of them, and they're in the Word, and they're going to get sounded... And then each one of them is then attached to a specific judgment that's going to cover the earth. This is heaven loudly proclaiming the hour that we're in, the urgency that we're in, the, the pay attention, the, the need for those with understanding to be able to declare what's going on. Because when these trumpet judgments start sounding, the lost world will have absolutely no idea what's happening. Remember the scenario I gave you a minute ago? You're in a city where they just randomly sound trumpets and nobody knows what they mean? That's how the lost world that doesn't read the Bible is going to feel. But the church is supposed to have great clarity. We're supposed to know the trumpet judgments because we're the ones that's supposed to be interpreting why is that trumpet being sounded and what does this mean? We're supposed to have clarity about these things. (coughs) Second, to rally people. Many times a trumpet would be blown in a manner that all who heard it, even the way that it was sounded, would know it was time to rally to a certain place to receive instructions or to receive important news or that something specific was happening. It was time to rally. So like a king is coming into the city kind of a moment, which actually, remember the last trumpet is Jesus is coming. These seven trumpets, if you want to know the most primary message of these trumpets, the king is coming. That's actually the primary message, not the only, but it's the primary message. The final trumpet is Jesus Christ appearing in the sky, okay? He comes at the last trumpet. Trumpet one, two, three, four, five, six are all, Jesus is coming. No, for real, I I mean it, Jesus is coming. These trumpet judgments are actually announcements of Jesus coming to the earth, and he then does come at the seventh trumpet. This is the message for the church. This is not something that the church needs to shy away from. These I want you to picture you with a trumpet in your hand standing in Jerusalem announcing with that trumpet the king of the planet of all creation, great and small. The king will be here in just a moment. The king is coming. That's what these trumpet judgments are doing. But again, the lost world that doesn't know the Bible, they're not going to know these trumpets. They're not going to understand these trumpets. They're not going to be able to interpret these trumpets, these trumpets like they can't interpret anything in the Bible without the help of the people of God interpreting what's going on. The church needs clarity on these things. All right, bowls. Now, the picture of a bowl is very different. I want you to think about getting a, uh, getting a cereal bowl, okay? So uh, get yourself in your mind, get yourself a couple of little Lego men, all right? And they're, they're standing on a little, little blue flat Lego, you know, put the guys on their Lego thing, okay? You got two or three of them there, and they got a little palm tree, okay? And you got a water bottle, all right? You got a water bottle, and it's just whatever size normal water bottle. And you open the lid, and you dump it down on there, and they're kind of getting splashed a little bit. It's almost fun. It's almost cute, okay? Now I want you to get yourself an oversized cereal bowl, okay, in your brain, and fill it with water. No, fill it with milk. That's even grosser. All right, fill it with milk. All right? Now what I want you to do is instead of you opening the lid of the water bottle, you got this bowl, and you're just going to tip it and splash it. The two Lego men go flying off of the blue tarp, and the little trees waving in the wind. It is very different when you pour out from a, a funneled tip as opposed to the openness of a bowl. The openness of a bowl is immediate deluge. The openness of a bowl is it's all pouring out in one second. It's all coming out. It's all done. The bowls of wrath are described as judgments being poured out from heaven by an angel with a very large cereal bowl. All right? These angels are pouring out the bowls of God's wrath. Whatever kind of bowls you got, you don't want them. You don't want the bowl of God's wrath. And that's what these are described as. Bowls pour differently than anything else okay the whole point of it is it's open it pours out instantly right that's really a great picture of what the bulls of wrath look like the the intensity of them all right the significance of these events we are supplied ahead of time with tremendous information in order that we might be able to prepare others in the day when it's coming when the day these things are unfolding We're supposed to be those that have been staring at this that understand what the Word of God says so that we can be part of the solution, that we can be those that understand. You know, it is unthinkable that the Bible will have any relevance to the lost when all this crazy stuff is happening, world is in chaos, and people can't even find a Gideon Bible in a hotel because the hotel got destroyed by fire. When the lost people are not going to gain understanding about the seals, trumpets, and bowls while the seals, trumpets, and bowls are happening. Nobody's going to gain clarity while the seals, trumpets, and bowls are happening. The clarity will either be there beforehand or won't be. We're given the information ahead of time so we can know the Bible, so we can be helpful, so we can understand what's going on and partner with the purposes of God. The church doesn't run in fear from the plans of God. We partner with the plans of God. And I'll just tell you, there have been times God has asked me to do some terrifying stuff. Stuff I did not want to do. Stuff I was like, oh, God, just kill me. Don't make me do that. And then I obeyed. I did it. And I was like, I'll be darned. It worked. Of course it worked. It was God. But we get so, like, tripped up. We're like, oh, this is so intense. Therefore, it can't be God. Show me one Bible verse where God doesn't do intense stuff. Or where God doesn't call his people to do intense stuff. Or where God doesn't call his people to partner with intense stuff. The Lord has the ability to help the church navigate all the troubles and trials and difficulties that are up ahead. But we've got to be a people that are partnering with him in the word ahead of time. That's the reason Jesus constantly said, keep watch and pray. Keep watch. Pay attention. Know the Bible. Pray. Believe it's true. Get ready for what's coming. And if you keep watch, you'll be golden. But if you don't keep watch, you won't be golden. Or Jesus said words that don't matter. Keep watch. What did you mean by that, Jesus? You know, I was like, get a new Apple Watch and keep it. Keep watch. You know, I mean nothing. When I say keep watch, I mean absolutely nothing. You can do absolutely nothing with this exhortation that I gave like 12 times in the Gospels, and you'll be just fine because I was just saying words that don't matter. (laughs) Keep watch means keep watch. For those who keep watch will be golden. For those that don't, there's going to be problems. Jesus was talking to the church. Keep watch. Significance of these events these events are really going to impact us. You're going to matter about personal safety as well as friends and family safety? Matter about salvation of friends and family? All the confused lost people around us are going to need answers. God uses his people to bring the answers. That's what he always does. That's the reason the Lord is sending missionaries to all the tribes and tongues and languages of the earth. Instead of them just miraculously all getting saved by themselves. They don't have answers. God's people bring answers. God's people bring God's word. That's God's way. It's how he does it. Tragically, much of the church will also be confused and need answers. We're going to be, much of the church is going to be confused because not paying attention to the keep watch. Make ready. Prepare for what's coming. If you don't prepare for what's coming, you're not prepared for what's coming. And when it comes, you're not prepared. I mean, it's like really simple, but when it gets to brass tacks, it means time and energy. It means we got to live like our Bible is true and we got to do stuff. We got to take American time because that's the only kind of time we got. Take time out of our busy lives and understand the word of God. We got to take time to pray and actually have a relationship with Jesus where we can hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Where we've got the spirit of wisdom and revelation resting on us so that the Bible makes sense instead of just being a mystery. I remember coming to Jesus. I loved him so much. I was so grateful to be saved from my sins. And I was reading the Bible every day, and it didn't make one lick of sense to me for a couple of years. And I was going for it. You know, guys, uh, listen, I didn't do so well on the SAT. I'm not really the sharpest tool in the shed. So it maybe takes me a little longer sometimes and it's going to take you guys. But I just want to tell you my testimony is I read that Bible every day for years and it was Greek to me. I, I did not understand. Part of it was I wasn't partnering in a life of prayer to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation resting on me. So I didn't understand what I was reading. It was I would get little pieces, but by and large, I'd read the Bible and be like, I I'd I'd, can I just go to a Bible study? Because I don't know what the heck is going on here. I want to tell you, you have the spirit of the living God living in you. God, who lives in you, wrote the Bible. You can understand it, but not in your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. You've got to get partnership with the Holy Spirit to get revelation from God. You don't get revelation just by exposure. You get revelation by relationship. He's living in you. We've got to grow in relationship and our understanding of the Word of God. And the partnership of those two things helps us go to the next level. And we get clarity. It's the hour to get clarity. The great harvest is going to be gathered in by those who understand the hour that's going on. There are going to be so many people freaked out of their minds, hiding in their house. They will not be too effective for the Great Commission. Those who understand are going to be operating in power. All the new converts that are coming in to the kingdom as a result of the great harvest, they're going to need training. They're going to need understanding. The Responsibility of foreknowledge. We understand that this information is made available to us ahead of time, so that, so that we can do something with it, so that we can understand it and begin to hear from the Holy Spirit how to partner with him in the future hour. Timing of when these things occur. Page six, we'll wrap up here in just a couple of minutes, and then we'll break into discussion groups so that you guys can talk about some of these things. We've got some questions ready for you and some discussion group leaders that will help uh, walk you through some stuff. Timing of when they occur. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. All three of these judgment series are connected to the timing of the Great Tribulation. Okay? So when the first seal opens, remember there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. When the first seal, which also happens to be of the first judgment series, which also then happens to be the first of the judgments of 21 judgments, when the first seal happens, that's the beginning of the Great Tribulation. So now you got it. When does all this stuff happen? It happens in a three and a half year period of time, starting when the beginning of the Great Tribulation happens. Who opens the first seal? Jesus himself. So Jesus starts it off. He starts off the Great Tribulation with the first seal being opened. Amount of time. Now, we don't have time right now to go through all the verses that talk about this. So I want to actually irritate you. I want to say something that is irritating. I'm going to say some statements that I'm not going to back up with Bible verses. I want you to go look it up because it's there. I want you to go on a journey, start to talk with some of your peers, start to get some information. I've got the verses I chose on purpose, not put them in here. I'm irritating you on purpose. The amount of time that these judgments take, remember how I told you that they escalate? They escalate in difficulty, in devastation, and they also shrink in how much time they take. So they get worse and they happen faster. So it's not just that they're happening worse. It's that they're happening faster. The the next one comes faster than the last one came. They're they're escalating in difficulty of devastation. And they're also escalating in the fact that it's happening compounded in a lesser period of time. So to give you kind of a picture, the seals are going to take about a couple of years. Now the Great Tribulation is three and a half years long. The seals are going to take... About two and a half years two two years, two, two and a half years, somewhere in that time frame. It's difficult to know exactly, but there's enough mile markers you can look at it and go, yeah, it's about in that time frame. The month or the uh, the trumpets, however, are going to happen faster. The trumpets are going to take place in a matter of months. So we're not talking years, but now now you're talking. You know, you know, maybe a year where all these judgments are happening, boom, 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 but there's seven of them. The last seven maybe took two and a half years, but the next seven only take one year. And it, again, I'm kind of rounding a little bit because it doesn't tell us exactly, but it does give us some pretty good parameters, it gives us some pretty good ideas. And I gave you a few little determining factors there in each one of these, but the bowls of wrath, we know exactly how long they take, 30 days. The bowls of wrath, remember I told you, you pour them out fast, okay. So seals take years, trumpets take months, bowls take days. Whoa dang. Intense. Page seven, and we'll break up into groups. I would encourage you to look over page seven a little bit in your own timing because I'm going to go so fast here you may not get it. But there's a relationship within the judgment series. So, not just there's 777, which thank you, Lord, that made it easy. I mean, he could have made it 76235. It was like, dang, Lord, it's so hard to keep track of all this. He made it clear. Seven of these, seven of these, seven of these. Thank you, Lord. He made it even more clear. The first four in each judgment series are linked, they're like a cluster. One, two, three, four seals, they're clustered. One, two, three, four seal, uh, uh, trumpets, they're clustered. One, two, three, four. Bowls, they're clustered. Interestingly enough, number five and six in each judgment series, they're clustered. And number seven in all three judgment series is set apart. That's just a kind of a helpful little, you know, connection point. The seventh of each ushers in the next thing. And when you get done with the bowls, you're not ushering in another judgment series. You're ushering in the coming of the next age, the millennium. You're changing the age on planet Earth from the current age to the next age. So that's a pretty big ushering point. So I would encourage you to look over that page and get that kind of a little bit more concrete in your head. But it's another uh, fun, helpful connection point as you're studying this. Listen, if this is like, oh my gosh, there's so much, stop talking. There's only 21. There's not 92, there's 21. Now, you learned the alphabet, right? There's 26 letters in the alphabet, isn't that right? 26? I'm not real good at math. I'm not real good at letters. I just, I got my issues. Okay. Whatever number there is, there's not 99. Okay. There's just 20, whatever. There's 21 judgment events. You can get this. You might have to stare at it a minute, but let's be students of the word that are willing to stare at the word to get clarity. Amen. All right. Now we're going to break up into groups. We've got four groups tonight. Is that right, Andy? Four groups. Okay. Let's go ahead and wrap up those questions. Okay, so what we're going to do during these uh, this time of Q&A is I'm going to do my best to repeat the question back just so that those that are watching on Facebook Live and for the recording can uh, hear your question. And so each group is going to present one question uh, from the dialogue that you guys just had. Um, why don't we start over here? So if no one can get clarity during, when the seals, trumpets, and bowls are happening, how are people it? So the question is, if no one can get clarity when the seals, trumpets, and bowls are happening how is anybody get saved oh I think that's uh maybe a misunderstanding of something that I was trying to communicate Uh, what I was trying to say is um if you don't already have clarity about what's happening when the seals trumpets and bowls are unfolding it's too late for you to start cramming for the test because there's too much happening there's too much going on however if you have clarity you can communicate clarity And now, you with clarity, talking to someone without clarity, you can help make sense to that person. Uh, The point that I was trying to make was that if we get into that moment, and now just imagine you got blood, fire, and hail coming out of the air, okay? And you got mountains being thrown into the sea that are causing tsunamis that wind up coming, you know, 10 miles inland into the coast, and you happen to live there. It's not the time to open the Bible and try to figure out what's going on. You needed to have known what was going on already or when that moment hits you're not going to get that clarity on your own you are going to require clarity from some other person and some other person giving you clarity the message of jesus is pretty simple you got sin repent jesus covers them by covers your sins by his blood give your life to him he'll cover over that sin you're his that takes 15 seconds what takes a lot more time is getting clarity about the judgment events themselves the unfolding, the order, the intensity, the message, what's all that happening? So so the, the message of Jesus, the person that got saved yesterday can start witnessing to their friend 15 minutes after they got saved. So that, that, that message is so simple. The message of what's happening in the end times, there's 150 chapters about the end times. That message is not simple. That message takes time to understand and to get rooted in. Now it's clear... It's not impossible to understand, but understanding that Jesus forgave our sins and died on the cross for us is a message that five-year-olds understand in Sunday school one time. I mean, in a, in a one-time teaching, they get it. 150 chapters about the end times takes a little bit more time of leading up and getting clarity on, and that's the reason that Jesus said, watch and pray, and he also said, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not going like, to make it so clear about when this is going to happen. Is it going to happen in 50 years? Is it going to happen in 500 years? Is it going to happen in 5,000 years? He didn't even give us that timing. He just said, you need to spend your life getting clarity about this stuff so that you are prepared when it happens because you don't want to be caught like a thief in the night catching you off guard when this comes. That thief in the night uh, motif, that every time it's used is talking to Christians about the second coming. Christians, don't be caught. It should not catch you like a thief in the night. But it will if you haven't done the thing Jesus said, which was watch and pray. So, uh, so uh, clarity about who Jesus is will definitely be communicated and can be grasped and can be understood, just as it always has been with great simplicity. Clarity about what's happening will not be easily given out. That's going to be labored for. That's the watch and pray. That's the, the time uh, of preparation that's, that's going to take a good while to understand. And so my point was, uh, we don't want to be those that have no idea what's going on. Then bad things start happening. And then we open our Bible for the first time to Revelation chapter 6 and go, what's a seal? It's Too late. To like Ask your neighbor because it's, it's going to be really tough. I'm not saying you can't get any, but I'm saying it's going to be a tough moment to be trying to get clarity while these things are unfolding. And it's, you, you want to do it prepared for the test before and not uh, cramming uh, the moment you're sitting down to take the test. Um, all right, great, great question. Uh, why don't we do this group? Okay, Uh, first question is, in the timing of the seals, trumpets, and bowls, uh, when is the rapture of the church? I'll start with that one. Um, So the rapture of the church happens when the seventh trumpet occurs. When the last trumpet sounds, uh, Jesus will appear in the sky. It says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive on the earth, if we're alive on the earth at that time, we will then be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, not to go away to heaven. Jesus isn't going away to heaven. Jesus is. Coming to earth. He's coming. It's a second coming. So when we're caught up to meet with him in the air, we're caught up to meet with him as he's coming, not as he's going. He's coming. So we meet with him in the air, and then Revelation 19 actually tells us that when Jesus comes, he's coming with the armies of heaven to declare war on the planet against the Antichrist. So we're actually joining that fight. We're joining with him. That happens at the seventh trumpet. So there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. The seven uh, trumpets... Uh, uh, Jesus appears at the last trumpet the rapture occurs at the last trumpet and uh, so then the second question was the events that occur after that why do we need any clarity about those? Great question it's a great great question when Jesus comes you're not dead gone and removed from the story you are resurrected indestructible invincible part of the army of God that is slaying the nations now that might be a really new idea to you, but it is one that is profoundly clear in the word in probably 30 places, okay? You're not like, remo- What the rapture doesn't remove you from the story, it upgrades you. You go to superhero status, okay? You get a resurrected body that can't die. And now you're part of a resurrected army that Jesus is leading, pulling a sword out of his mouth. Your Bible says, I'm mean, not just me, Your Bible says, Revelation 19, he comes back to make war against the Antichrist and his army. War means war. Okay? He comes back to make war with warriors. It just so happens he's got a real big up advantage. All of his warriors have resurrected bodies are indestructible now. Makes it really hard for the Antichrist to accomplish diddly squat. Okay? You're not removed from the story You're upgraded in the story. So now the bowls of wrath are actually being poured out while Jesus is assembling his army on the earth. We're going to spend probably two sessions, at least one solid one, talking about that point. But I'll warn you, it's going to take us a minute to get there. Okay? We will spend a whole session talking about that point. However, if that's an idea that you're like, I don't know what you're saying, I don't know what Bible you're teaching... There is an eight-part series in the lobby called The Second Coming Procession. The Second Coming Procession. It's an eight-part series that starts with Jesus appearing in the sky. That's the beginning. That's session one. And then it talks about all the stuff he's going to do as he appears in the sky, and then he comes, and what happens. And I would just encourage you, if you're like, I can't wait. I'm not waiting until we get to that part. Then go listen to the eight-part series. It's It's online for free, too. So you can just download it. Um, but the second coming procession yeah, so good good question. great question. Um, next group, uh, Andy's group. I think the question is, when all the bad stuff starts happening, can we just die soon so we get out of here? And I, 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 I understand the question, and I want to tell you it's a completely wrong mindset. And here's, here's why. The judgments are not aimed at the church They're aimed at the wicked. Secondly, the judgments are released through the praying church. The judgments are not against the church. The church is the one in partnership with the Holy Spirit and Jesus releasing the judgments on the bad guys that are killing the church. So the way that the church is going to die is through martyrdom. Not through plagues. The church is going to be operating in the spirit of power and in might. I mean, this is like in all honesty, and I understand the the thought process, but God did not give us a spirit of fear. That is not God. Yeah, but these judgments, they're scary. You have the wrong perspective. It's God doing them. And God didn't give us a spirit of fear. These judgments are not against us. They're against the antichrist and his government. Okay? They're against those that have taken the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. You'll be golden. Okay? As far as wanting to escape early, I mean, I guess there'll be some that try to go get martyred quick, so they can like get out of it. But but really, the, the point that I just want to make is the end times belong to Jesus Christ. They are Jesus' end times. They're not bad, crazy, random events end times. They're not the devil's end times. It's Jesus' end times. Jesus wrote the Bible he could not have an end times if he wanted to. He wrote the story. The father wrote the story. We don't want to extract ourselves from the plan of God. We want to figure out how to be in full on partnership with the plan of God every day of our life. And sometimes the Holy Spirit asks us to do stuff that we're not totally stoked about. And it's for our good. And it's for the kingdom. And it's right. And then a lot of times the Holy Spirit asks us to do something we're not stoked about, and we do it and find out, oh my gosh, this was really the greatest idea ever. I'm an idiot. I think there'll be a lot of that going on in the end times where we go, I can't believe the honor that I get to be alive in the generation that's been written about from the foundations, and I get to be one that participates in the end time drama for King Jesus, for Jesus, and for the kingdom. Okay? You know, for Aslan and Narnia. Okay, all right, all right. This is like, it's like, no, I don't really want to fight. I don't, yeah, I just, I want to sit back and like cry. You, you're not interpreting things rightly. This is your story, and you want to be a part of it. Watch and pray. Part of the watch and pray is to get off that spirit of fear thing. Okay? Part of the watch and pray is to see ourselves in the story and see the victorious church at the end of the age, not the cowering, weak little, oh, I get this sad little church getting beat up by the devil. We're going to be walking in the greatest measure of miracles that the world has ever seen, experiencing the greatest harvest of souls that the world has ever seen. That is not a whimpering, cowering church. That is a powerful bride that's equally yoked, that has made herself ready for the coming of Jesus and that's where we're at. That's who we want to be. That's, that's what we're working towards. The Word of God says we're building up until fullness. That's what we're doing. So we, we don't escape this. We, we enter in and engage. Question over here. Do you think we will literally hear the trumpets um, on earth or just the effects of Yeah, I think there's no reason to think that we will not hear them. I think we will. Uh, I, th- I would be more surprised if we don't because they're trumpets from heaven and furthermore after revelation chapter 6 and the sixth seal heaven has been rolled back like a scroll and from that point forward heaven is visible on planet earth to earthlings because people on earth are looking up and they're saying save us from the wrath of the lamb and and from uh from god from the wrath of God and from the Lamb. They're able to see it. These are lost people. So it's not like they're having a spiritual experience. Heaven is unrolled. Like the scroll or the, 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 the sky is rolled back like a scroll and creates some sort of like portal visionary experience kind of a thing. So yes, I think we'll hear those trumpets. Uh, if we don't, and I'm wrong, okay, but I think we should far more be thinking that we will hear them because they're trumpets as opposed to you know, silent snapping or something. Like, they're they're trumpets, and, and they're declaring the coming of Jesus. And especially that last trumpet, you read Paul's language about the last trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will raise. You read that passage, and it's unthinkable that we wouldn't hear it. I mean, I guess it doesn't say we'll hear it, but all the language is a trumpet's being sounded, and then we all respond to that trumpet. So uh, I think so long as your ears work, uh, you're going to hear it. But I don't know that the word says that like crisp. I just think it's, it's the obvious uh, inference. Uh, so great question. This concludes this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayeroomdfw.com. Thank you.